0: All right, Deanna Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much, Andriette and absentia for asking me to speak tonight. I'm Deanna Compulsive Overeater from Southern California and I certainly have known morbid obesity and I'm just really thrilled to be speaking on a Century meeting tonight. I will just share what it was like, what happened. What it, uh, and what it's like now. I was gonna share it, say what it was like, what happened, what happened again, and what it's like now. And I say that because relapse is a part of my story. I've had two relapses um, in my story. One I say was like a baby rattlesnake. The second one was an anaconda that just really choked me out. So I came to OA December 30th of 2011 I was heavy probably from the age of eight or nine. I was already in a commercial diet program by nine or 10 years old. And I would say it's not typical, I think, for kids to know exactly what they weigh at every age, um, you know, from when I was young into adulthood. And I was already uh, 130 or 135 pounds when I was nine in fourth grade. I was 200 pounds by sixth grade. I was 220 by eighth grade. When I graduated high school, I was about 285 and my top weight is somewhere around 300 pounds. My mom's bathroom scale said 298. Pretty sure her scale ran like a pound or two light. So I just say about 300 for the purposes of rigorous honesty, which has to be the foundation of my program sidebar. Um, rigorous honesty has to be the foundation of my program. I realize it as an addict, primarily manifested in food, I have a hair trigger conscience, a hair trigger conscience. And usually my biggest driving force to want to compulsively eat is guilt. It's massive guilt, shame. I was telling a partner, uh, of my food accountability partner this morning, I have a fellow that, that um, just gives me a lot of time and attention with, uh, with the food piece of it. And then I have a sponsor that uh, takes me through the steps But I was sharing with my food accountability partner that really I only eat for three reasons and I call them the three Ps. I'm using food either as a punishment, a poncho, or pain medication. It's either a punishment and, you know, as as an addict, you know, somebody that acts like a child, you know, I want to punish myself, you know, if I did something quote bad. And program teaches me that That's not how this works. That's not a spiritual way to live. The the spiritual way to live is to take responsibility for my actions and apologize. So I don't have to punish myself and run and hide in a corner like a little child. You know, I've done my major amends in the ninth step. I've done multiple nine steps. And then that daily tenth step, you know, continue to take um, inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it because I will feel shame over normal human mistakes. I will feel shame over mistakes that I feel like an adult shouldn't make, but either way I need to make the amends. So that's, that's you know, what my disease loves to do is you're a bad girl, you better eat. Eating will make you obese and being obese made you miserable. Um, I'll use it as a poncho, I'm in fear. I wanna run and hide out under the food, you know, to quote a famous airline, my disease says, wanna get away? And the big book says we were in full flight from reality. It says two things that always stand out to me. We were in full flight from reality. I couldn't handle reality. I couldn't handle just everyday things as a kid. And we eat over the buildup of normal human emotions. I mean, it says drink in the big book, but substitute for me, eat, substitute for me, binge. I'm primarily a binger and a restrictor. And, um, so yeah, so I eat to hide out from, you know, shame or fear, I eat to punish myself and I eat as pain medication, whether that's from loneliness, sadness, any heightened emotion that seems intolerable, you know, that is where I'm going to want to eat. And so I just got bigger and bigger throughout my life. I went to outside help in 2011 and she suggested that I go to OA or we were gonna need to talk about putting me on medication because i was extremely depressed and so she said go to oa exercise because exercise helped with the depression it's not a cure for it by any means and i've never been an exercise bulimic but when i exercise i would go in and out of exercising kind of in tandem with dieting my depression lifted and i binged a lot less when i was exercising regularly but eventually Something would happen to tip the boat over emotionally, and I'd go back into the food, no matter how many times I worked out that week. So my therapist suggested I come to OA. My family at the time was campaigning for me to get weight loss surgery. I Googled um, medication, you know, that my therapist said we might have to go down that road if I didn't get, you know, the help from OA. And the first side effect from a lot of these antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications I saw was weight gain. And I'm like, oh crap, like I don't want to be any bigger. And I have no opinion on, on anybody's personal decision around medication that's between you and your, you know, medical professionals and your higher power and, and all of that. It's you know, it's personal, but I just didn't want to go down that road. And not only that, I suspected that there was something deep going on that it wasn't just like a chemical you know, reason for my depression, my anxiety, I just sensed that there was something more going on. And I knew that I sensed that I knew that that sixth sense was kicking in. I think that sixth sense that we all have, that's our higher power that's buried beneath, you know, addictive thoughts and behaviors. And, you know, that that part of me said, this is not just about food, because I had tried so many diets and breaking news, they all worked until I stopped doing them. Uh, one of them worked one time and then a second time it didn't work again because my body was like, oh, homie, don't play that. Like it figured out very quickly what I was trying to do and manipulating the food. So that one didn't work at a second time. But most of the diets I went on, as long as I stayed on them, I lost the weight. Um, same thing when I went to commercial dieting programs that that were more healthy, I should say, more structured. I don't think that all you know outside help that's that's offered in terms of our food is is necessarily harmful. I tried some wonderful, healthy paths of eating. But, you know, again, my emotions are the problem. So um, I did not want to go to OA. And, you know, the other options were surgery or medication. And I went to my doctor and, and I had told her I'd like a referral for a therapist. And she said, why? And I said, because I'm obese. And she said, oh, do you drink a lot of soda pop?" And I was like, no, but thank you for trying to solve this lifelong mystery. Um, I, I, like I said, I think my gut knew knew something was up. So anyway, that's how I got to therapy. Therapist said, you know, go to OA or commit to going to at least one meeting. I read the web- website. I read a little bit about it. I saw like silhouettes of paper dolls holding hands. I'm like, ew, I don't want to hold anybody's hand. I saw the word God in the steps that really upset me. And I saw compulsive eating and emotional eating. And I said, no, I'm not an emotional eater. I'm not a compulsive overeater. I just self sabotage these diets because I don't deserve to be a healthy weight or, you know, or maybe I just haven't found the right diet. And part of that was true. I did try a lot of unsustainable, you know, food plans. And I do believe there's a very powerful self sabotage component in me when it comes to um, not picking up the food. And, you know, the big book talks about we have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. My allergy of the body as I see it is I love volume and calories, volume and calories. Like I said, I am a binger. Before a program, I would binge so hard that the outside of my stomach would hurt from being stretched so rapidly in these binges. Um, So my abstinence today is no binging. That's life or death if I binge, I'm a goner. It's like suiciding, except I wake up the next day. All that's what it is. It's like putting a gun to my head. When I drive to the, the crack shop, the convenience store and buy all this stuff, it's like putting a gun to my head, except I wake up the next day, you know, and, uh, with remorse and shame and fear and guilt. And I remember before program, I would wake up the day after these binges and, um, and I would, I would feel the feeling before I would feel the physical sickness. I would feel like a sphere like oh no I did it again and um, and then I would run in the bathroom and I would look in the mirror sideways and I could tell how much by how much my stomach was sticking out probably how much that scale was going to read you know if my stomach was sticking out an inch uh, then maybe the scale would read three pounds up if it was an inch and a half the scale would probably read five pounds up and some of that was, you know, bloating, of course, from from these large amounts of food, but um, you know, I gained weight very, very, very rapidly. So I didn't want to go to OA. Um, I was in, you know, at least partial denial about this. Yet I knew I tried and tried and tried, and things were not working out. So um, so I, I came to OA, and I haven't left since. That was almost ten years ago and i'll just show you real quick some of you know some of my life story pictures i'm not super technologically advanced but i'll do my best so that is me in the green shirt and the navy blue stretchy pants i think i was 13 there already very obese and looking miserable and the one next to that was high school graduation so me at 18 i hated that big pink pinky orangey tent dress thing but I couldn't find anything else to wear, and my aunt bought me the dress. She was so thrilled. She, fa- she said, Oh, I found a dress for you to wear for your graduation. And I thought, well, I haven't, not going to find, probably not going to find anything else. And, on. Thank you. And I was like, well, I'm wearing a graduation gown over it anyway. Who's going to see? So I came to OA. Um, I stayed, I got a sponsor at my second meeting, I don't have any previous 12 step experience. So I knew that if I didn't latch on to somebody right away that I was going to be out the door lightning quick. Um, It was a combination of of desperation and, uh, and like latent courage buried beneath, beneath me as a gift of my higher power that just made me just come in and stick and grab a sponsor right away. And I don't even think my sponsor gave some amazing pitch. She wasn't a century person, or as we call it, in my part of the woods, a hundred pounder. I think she'd let go of maybe 30 pounds in program, maybe 40 at most, and she's a tallish woman. So compared to somebody that was, you know, couldn't buckle a seatbelt on airplanes and would have the bar dig into her on amusement park rides and have difficulty getting in and out of booths and all these horrible things we go through as 100 pounders. She didn't have experience with that. I had plenty of experience with that, but she was smart and she was funny and she gave the treasurer's report. And I'm like, she's smart, she's funny. She has a husband and a dog and they're both alive. She's like, she's having a, a real life and she's not obese. I pick you. I think she just gave the treasurer's report, but anyway. So well, we started working the steps together. I got absent immediately and stayed absent for several months. Um, and then I went on a date in my first year, which I don't recommend. And, you know, it it ended late and I was probably having all kinds of feelings. Is this person going to call? Like, what's going on with this? And a very innocent date. We just went mini golfing and we talked. Like, it was like very innocent. But, you know, I'm not somebody that had a history of dating, you know. Um, This is what this disease did. I was an obese teenager, uh, really goofy, outlandish, trying to get attention at all times, trying to distract people from my weight um, kind of teenager. So dating was a very novel thing for me once I got into uh program. And so I, um, I left that date and then I went hunting for a particular food. Um, and I had to go to three stores to get it. And that was higher power. Store number one was, uh, didn't have it. Store number two, I think was closed because it was really late at night and store number three had it, but not in the size that I wanted. I was going to get a small size because I could control that. And uh, they only had the larger size and I ate, you know, half the container at night and I knew that was a binge for me multiple servings for me is a binge. And the next day I polished it off and I called my sponsor sobbing, you know, and I thought at the time oh I broke my absence big deal people do it all the time people relapse all the time but it didn't necessarily have to be that way I could have called someone and I didn't. And so I struggled with relapse for a couple of months, a few months, I don't even remember how many months, three months, four months, something like that. I went to a friend's wedding where I ate everything but the bride and groom and uh, on the East Coast. And I came back and I'm like, once I'm in LA, once this plane hits the ground, I'm getting absent again. Like, I'm just going to decide right now. And I did, I couldn't, I couldn't stop. And I called a fellow one day. I said, I don't know what to do. I can't get abstinent. And she said, you're abstinent right now. And she was right. I wasn't binging while I was on the phone with her. And she said, "Can you just not binge for the next hour?" And I said, "Yeah." So that one hour took me to five years of abstinence. And in that five years, I worked the steps multiple times, released over a hundred pounds, sponsored, went on the OA tour speaker, you know, circuit at least within the state of California, and um, you know, just thought I was the the, the bomb. dot com um, I, you know, and I worked the steps, so it wasn't just the physical recovery, although Q, you know, amateur slideshow number two, um, here's me in the peak of my physical recovery. There's me running my first, uh, half marathon. I'm smiling, but I was actually quite miserable. I trained myself in a very short amount of time. And then I finished and I thought, you know, oh my gosh, why do people pay all this money? Why did I pay $120 to run 13 miles <laughs> I don't know, because this is what people do, you know, they go on these weight loss shows, and they're like, I'm fit now, I'm going to do this, so I did it, Um, and then there's me just looking glamorous, because I love to go out and be glamorous, you know, in my physical recovered body, and I got a life beyond my wildest dreams, I always wanted to be an actress, and a comedian, and I got a commercial agent, and I started auditioning for commercials, I started doing stand-up comedy, I still had my, my, my day job. I had an office job and life was going pretty dandy. And a higher power came to me. I want to talk a little bit about the higher power. I grew up uh, going to church and I never thought it was an option to question whether any of what I was being taught was true. I just took it you know, at face value and yet secretly lived in fear that if it was all true, what I was being taught in church, and I didn't surrender to that, that I was going to hell. Um, so I taught Sunday school, I sang on the worship team, went to Bible study and just didn't share with anyone that I had doubts about believing. And I, I used to say that like 60 pounds of my excess weight was probably lying about that. We say we're as sick as our secrets and OA gave me the, the, um, privilege of being able to finally be open about that because it's a spiritual program, not a religious program. And sometimes when I doubt what higher power is, which usually is a combination of my conscience very powerfully, my inner parent, my inner adult, um, and music and synchronicity and coincidence, when I doubt those things, and I'm not sure what my higher power is, I can always go to the spiritual principles of the steps because essentially when you boil it down, higher power for me is whatever brings me peace. If I feel like I'm getting closer to peace, I'm closer to higher power. And I love the St. Francis prayer, Lord, make me a channel of your peace. If I'm gonna be a channel of, my, of God's peace, I have to be at peace. And when I'm not at peace, it's, you know, what the big book says, am I in dishonesty, fear, selfishness, self-seeking, self-centered motives? Um, Am I resentful, angry, all of those things. So when I question whether there is a God or whether there is, you know, what, what a higher power is, again, I just go back to the principles of the steps because each one of those principles brings me closer to peace. The principle of step one is honesty. If I'm being honest, I'm getting closer to peace because when I'm dishonest, I'm in fear of being caught you know, um, courage, faith, hope, trust, um, self-discipline, love, perseverance, awareness, and service, the principles of the 12 steps. When I'm operating on on all 12 cylinders, which is rare, um, I feel greater peace. And we say we have a disease, dis-ease. I am not at ease in the world. I am not at ease in my body and in my mind. And these principles get me closer to being at ease in the world. So I got absent again. It it lasted for five years. 2017, some challenges came up. I had my grandmother pass away. My acting agency closed out of the blue after 20 something years in business. My older sister and husband and their three beautiful children said they're moving back east now. So family is leaving. I had a change in a position in my job. So, six months, it was like, in a six month window, there's all these things that happen. And the big book says that, you know, come, come, you know, good times or bad sobriety had to take on a life of its own. And that um, there was a clash, you know, life was happening. And instead of running on parallel railroad tracks where my abstinence is one track, one side of the track and life events is the other, there was a collision. And I started to lose my spiritual recovery I started saying, you know, no to sponsoring people. Oh, well, you know, I have too many people. Uh, I started turning on speaking opportunities for program. And I love speaking to program. I love it. I'm a ham. My ego is not my amigo. I love speaking in meetings. And I, when I started turning that stuff down, okay, weird stuff going on. And so my spiritual health started to fade because I got into fear. Well, all these things are going away. What am I going to lose next? My grandmother dies and my family leaves and my dreams are going, what's next? And I started to internally short circuit and forget what other higher power I came to believe in. So my spiritual health deteriorated. My mental and emotional health deteriorated. I got very depressed. I think part of it was like clinical depression, but also like as a byproduct of losing my spiritual recovery. I got very thin. I'm just under 5'8", and I got down in the 120s, which for me as a century person with like loose skin and stuff was quite thin. And, um, And then that was like a year long process of deteriorating, 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 losing integrity, losing mental health, not bathing. And then it boiled down to the physical. And I got very, very thin. And finally, I broke my absence in the binge heard around the world, and I rapidly gained 100 pounds back in four months. I broke my absence. A week later, I got fired from my job 10 and a half years because my mind was already out the door, and I just, I lost touch with HP, and like I said, I also have mental health issues, and um, gosh, higher power. I want to go back to higher power for a minute. So one time I was going to an OA meeting. These are examples of something beyond my power, right? I wanted to go to an OA meeting. I was getting ready to leave therapy or I just left therapy and a fellow called me and she said, I'm on this, I'm on, you know, whatever. I want to go to this meeting, this OA meeting on the other side of town. I'm with a friend, she's driving. Can you tell us how to get there? And I said, sure. Well, where are you guys right now? She told me- Five left. uh, Oh, five left? Yes. Five? Okay, perfect. Thank you um she said you know I said well where are you and just as she said where she was she looks up and she sees my car across the intersection we were at the exact same intersection at the exact same time on the opposite side of town from where this meeting was that we both wanted to go to and um and I said great here follow me so we caravaned over You know, another time that same fellow called me and she said, there's a newcomer that really wants to go to this particular meeting, but she doesn't have a car. Boy, I wish she could get a ride. She lives XYZ. And I said, I just got out of a massage and I'm like two miles away from that city where that fellow lives. And I never, like, I'm very rarely on that side of town, right? What are the odds? Again, I'm in the place where I need to be at the right time. And I felt like I was like God's agent, like, okay, Deanna, here's your next mission. Pick up this chick ticker. So all these things were happening, these amazing things. Anyway, I had that rough year. I broke my abstinence. I exploded back up into morbid obesity. It was humiliating. And it was the absolute worst year that it could have happened. It was my high school reunion, my dad's 70th birthday party, where all the family who was used to seeing me a size four or six for several years now saw this very, you know, this reinflated person. I mean, it was just the worst year this could have happened, down to I needed to get my driver's license renewed that year, and now it was mortifying, and I think if there is a God, he wants to build humility in me, a stronger, more humble human being, because I used to understand, not understand how people could relapse we'll just get a sponsor and do what they say. I didn't understand people whose food was quote messy or who gained weight in abstinence or, or just people who had character defects that I don't have. Like, well, why, why, do, why do you act like that? And I've walked in the footsteps of every single person I've judged in the last nine years since I came into the rooms. I got abstinent late last year. I've been instructed by an old timer, don't count days, don't take chips, just do this for you this time, not to be like the supermodel of OA but I'll just say that I've been absent since late last year and I got a new job after like several months of unemployment and eating, binging my way through unemployment and getting blood clots and all kinds of gnarly stuff um, as we do in this disease. And I got a job at a food place, um, a grocery store I would either buy binge food there or I would binge at the convenience store. But anyway, one night during this relapse, I was getting ready to leave at the end of the night and I went to the break room at work to get my stuff. And this really sweet young coworker who's like not even there anymore, she moved on to a different job, said, have a good night, Deanna, get home safe. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. That was the divine intervention. And I haven't binged since that night. And it wasn't like I was thinking, this is the night I'm gonna get abstinent. This is the day this is gonna stop. Because I tried that. I was like, oh, okay, tomorrow I'll get abstinent. Or I would just say, F it, I'm never, you know, whatever. This, I, I'm just gonna binge when I wanna binge and not when I'm not. And I'll just binge as long as I need to, to feel safe to keep hiding out from reality. And, and I would say stupid things like, well, I can't get abstinent on this day because it's my little sister's natal birthday and we can't have the same birthday, even if hers is a real birthday and mine's an early birthday. Two minutes. Two minutes. Okay. Perfect. So, you know, I like just, try, some days I would try to abstain and you know what happened? I would maybe get two, three days of absence in this last relapse, which by the way, lasted about two and a half years. The first relapse was a few months. So yes, progressive disease, aggressive disease. Um, and therefore my spiritual life needs to be progressive and aggressive and yeah, gosh, now I just lost my train of thought. Okay. So yeah, I just was, trying to pick a day to get abstinent and that wasn't uh, that wasn't working out so well. Um, but yeah, here I am. I'm abstinent for since late last year, I've uh, released uh, over 50 pounds, so over half of what I put on in the relapse. I'm working my ninth step again and on a good day, I'll get up and I'll meditate for about 20 minutes or so. I'll uh, pray for about five minutes. I will write and write and write and write. I cannot emphasize the tool of writing enough. If talking was enough, meetings are great. Sharing of meetings are great. Outside help is great. But I am like, I got a big PR manager in my head that will filter out everything that I do not want to share. So I don't, hear, I don't give a crap what the page says. And that's where I find my higher power is through the paper. You know, I pick up the pen and there's that translator, like a, like a translator, like the UN, the UN council inside of my heart. The pen translates between higher power and the council that has fears, needs, concerns, guilt, regret. So I write and I read the today and I send it to a fellow every morning. I take a picture of it. And I'm just trying to stay in this thing because my life is unmanageable, but my problem is not food. It is unmanageability in my thoughts, actions, stubbornness, and resistance. I am defiant in denial and delusional. This is, this is the thing. This is the broken thing up here, you know? So I just, nobody's ever kicked me out. I've never, ever, ever, ever left the rooms. Like I said, I'm at nine and a half years in program and I've never left. I don't really have anywhere else to go. I don't want to give any more money to the pay in ways. Um, You know, I don't have anywhere else to go. And, and like it's my time. So I thank you for letting me be of service and I can't wait to hear all of you share.